Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Hey, we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm on duty. And my partner, Paul Clay. Paul, are you on duty, my friend? 10-8, baby. Ready to go. <laughs> hey, we got a lot to talk about today. One of the things that Catholics seem to mistake is when they hear the word judgment, Paul, and all of a yes. sudden it's like uh, the red flags go up. Yeah. One, yeah. But one of the things that people forget is that as Catholics, the spiritual works of mercy, it tells us in paragraph 2447, Number one, it's instruct the ignorant and counsel the doubtful. So we have a positive duty to do that, Paul, because we're going to be talking about some topics today where people will say that apparently we're judging. No, we're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are just stating facts. We are making observations and we are leaving the results to the hands to the to the hands of a good God. You know, Jess, I'm, I'm glad you uh address that because uh you know we um everything everybody's heard the uh the time that our holy father said uh who am i to judge and uh and, you know when i heard that i was like wow um uh, well you are the vicar of christ uh that 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 somewhat qualifies you to make judgments and and i know god calls us to make judgments and i don't think our world can function if we cannot make judgments on a day-to-day -day basis we have to judge good from evil right from wrong so um i'm glad you brought that point up and let's dig into today's topics yeah the, let me just share a couple of verses on judgment just to see that uh, we're tracking okay. in the right direction okay uh you, you've you've seen the book of first kings chapter 3 verse 7 and 12 you see the lord says uh, he says to Elijah, give your servant, therefore, a listening heart to judge your people and mm. to distinguish between good and evil. So God tells Elijah, I'm giving you a listening heart to judge your people to, to distinguish good from evil. You also have our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 12, 57. Our Lord Jesus says, quote, and why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? So Jesus calls the apostles to judge with right judgment. In mm -hmm. other words, not rash judgment, not hypocritical judgment. Our Lord says in, in, in John chapter 7, verse 24, our Lord Jesus says, And why do you not judge? He's no, excuse me. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Once again, our Lord Jesus Christ says this to the apostles. And it's the same word, krino, in Greek. Uh, that in other places apparently says not to judge people. In other words, what the Bible distinguishes is we're called to judge human behavior so that we can help people jump out of the fires of hell and back into back into the fold of Christ. Amen. We can't judge the, we can't judge the person's final destiny, destiny. Only God knows that. I'll give you one more right. example, then we'll go right into the topics today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 13, it's worth reading the whole, uh, the whole uh, chapter there. St. Paul judges a Christian brother in Corinth who's been fornicating with his father's wife. And he says, I'm handing this guy over to Satan so that his soul could be saved. There, mm. there are some strong judgments. We see this in Scripture. Uh, and one last one, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 3. St. Paul says this, How can any of you, with a case against another, Dare to bring it to the unjust for judgment instead of to the holy ones. Mm. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Ooh. If the world is to be judged by you, are you unqualified for the lowest law courts? Do you not know we will judge the angels? Wow. Then, then why not everyday matters? Yeah. 
And just also the Bible's command that we not judge others does not mean all actions are equally moral or that truth is relative. The Bible clearly teaches that truth is objective. It's eternal and inseparable from God's character. Anything that contradicts the truth is a lie. But of course, to call something a lie is to pass judgment. To call adultery or murder or sin is likewise to pass judgment. But it's also to agree with God. When Jesus said, do not judge others, he did not mean that no one can identify sin for 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 what it is based on God's definition of sin. That's that, you know, just this is, you know, that's why it's important to, you know, understand and take in the full counsel of God's word and to understand that, yes, we as believers in Jesus Christ are called to make judgments, but we we judge everything really against God's word because we know that that's like a compass pointing true north. We know that God's word is all truth. It is the truth. And that's therefore, right. th therefore, would, you know, all we have to do is, you know, put it up against God's word. Does it stand or does it fall? And if it falls short, then we need to call it what it is. That's right. Yeah. And, and we have a moral obligation to do so, mm -hmm. uh, not to not do so. If you look at Ezekiel 3.18, Ezekiel 3.18 is a powerful verse, and it says that if you don't, uh, if, if I'm paraphrasing, if you don't uh, advise the wicked or tell the wicked uh, to let go of their wicked ways, their blood will be on your soul if you don't do that. It's a powerful exhortation from Ezekiel. You have an obligation to turn wayward people back into that narrow path, and if you don't do that, at your judgment, their blood will be on your soul. The yes. last thing I want to mention is that the Catechism of the Catholic Church, quoting Canon 2.12, it says that lay people have the right and even duties at times to manifest to the sacred pastors, that's the Pope, bishops, and priests, their opinions on matters which pertain to the good of the church. Mm. They have a right to make their opinion known to other Christian faithful with due regard to the integrity of faith and morals and reverence towards their pastors. And, so again, and, just, and not only is it the right, but it's the obligation. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Because so, we are our we are our brother's keeper. <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> you sure are. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't don't get don't give the wrong answer like like uh, Cain did. I want to talk about something that's not it's not it's painful, but needs to be spoken of because again, this could scandalize so many people and give bad example and and, and open up this type of practice to other Catholics who think that it's okay. It's uh, Pope Francis is supposed to participate in a purification ritual with indigenous people during visit to Canada. A priest of the Archdiocese of Calgary defended the plan, the planned smudging. We'll talk about what smudging is as a ritual of purification to make the space more hospitable and compared it to the use of sacramentals. By the way, there's no comparison during his last July visit to Canada. Pope Francis is scheduled to partake in pagan ceremonies with indigenous peoples. Remember, St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, uh, light has nothing to do with darkness. Christ has nothing to do with Be Be Beelzebub. Uh, truth has nothing to do with lies. We, we, can't, we can't interface these things. Yes, they are diametrically opposed, Yes. Yeah. It says uh, you have uh, one of the mouthpieces here for the Archdiocese of Calgary. Father, he could tell he's a modernist. Father Cristino Bouvier. He says he plans for Pope Francis to participate in a pagan smudging ceremony and pray facing all four directions according to indigenous traditions. By the way, that has no basis in Catholicism, that, what, that statement right there, what, he, what he's about mm -hmm. to do. During the Pope's visit to the Sacred Heart <clears throat> Church of the First Peoples, an elder, that's a pagan elder, will process into the church holding a bowl of smoldering cedar, sage, sweet grass, and tobacco to reportedly purify the church. No, that's not the way we purify Catholic churches. The Catholic church is purified by prayer and what's inside the, the tabernacle, which is Jesus Christ and the Blessed Sacrament. Amen. It says, Father Cristino Bouvier, he wrote in an email, quote, The smudge that is being proposed at Sacred, at sacred Heart holds a twofold purpose. Number one, to show recognition of the ritual in an observable public way. And number two, as a ritual of purification in the space itself, as a gesture of making the space more hospitable to welcome the Holy Father as he arrives. I have a question, Jess. Yeah. What, um, 
to show recognition of the ritual. Why are we, you know, recognition of what? Why are we trying to recognize pagan rituals? We're not supposed to. That goes that contradicts Catholic teaching for the last two thousand years. Okay. Uh, that's that that's false ecumenism. This is not what mm -hmm. the church teaches. The church has never taught that. Again, once mm -hmm. again, Second Corinthians chapter six and following. Light has nothing. We ha light has nothing to do with darkness. Truth has nothing to do with lies. Christ mm -hmm. has nothing to do with Beelzebub. Uh, I looked at a at a shaman. What's a shaman? A shaman is a witch doctor. It's a medicine man. I looked at a shaman website last night, and here's mm -hmm. what shamans say about smudging. It says <clears throat> one of the very common ceremonies that we as shamans use is is smudging. It's a metaphysical practice, which means it's supernatural practice. Smudging is a simple ceremony used to cleanse a person, a place, or an object. The smudging ceremony involves the burning of a sacred plants, herbal resins, then either fanning the smoke around a person or a place or passing an object through the smoke. The smoke from the sacred plants then cleanses the person, places, or object of unwanted energies, spirits, or influences. Uh, yeah, that's uh, from the shamanicconnection.com. Number one, Paul, that, that has nothing to do with the Catholic faith. That's what's called the sin of superstition, at the very least. Yes. And, uh, and that's basically giving credence that there are other gods out there, other energies or other spirits that can cleanse the, the person or cleanse a place. This is pure and complete paganism, and this opens the door to the diabolic. This is dangerous. This is painful that we have to report this. But again, Jesus Christ says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. We'll be back. We'll continue talking about the smudging ceremony that the Holy Father is going to participate in. And uh, let's hope and pray that he does not participate in this. We'll be right back. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. This is a show where we, we project missiles of truth into the wall of lies. Amen. My name is Jess Romero, Paul Clay. We're talking about smudging. The Holy Father is going to participate in a ceremony of smudging. Paul, you know, there's certain activities that call upon God. Mm. Like when you pray, mm -hmm. when you receive the sacraments. Those are Amen. encounters with God. You call upon God. Yes. Angels come when you pray. Angels surround you when you're in the liturgy, when you're in a state of grace. But by the same token, there's also actions that conjure up demons. One, mm -hmm. Again, one, one uh, very simple one is playing with the Ouija board, mm -hmm. playing with Charlie Charlie, or a pagan smudging ceremony. There mm. are certain practices that open the doors to the diabolical. These are dangerous so, practices. So basically what you're saying is that this type of activity is basically akin to playing with a Ouija board. Something, you know, where you're, where you, where you're, you're basically right on the edge of, uh, you know, demonic activity here. And you're uh, essentially giving them a foothold. Absolutely. To, oh, wow. Yeah. You're, wow. Gi you're giving them basically permission. This yeah. is uh, these actions again. These are these are like the anti-sacramental actions from the occult. Right. And so just like we have ways to connect with God through prayer and the sacraments and faith, the yes. occult also has ways to connect with the diabolical. And smudging yes. is one of the ways. Uh, you know, Jess, I, I, I think that uh, uh, it's important to bring out that this these things that are so bad, they can they can be done intentionally or they can be done in an ignorant fashion and uh you know and so you and i we can't judge somebody's heart to say which one of these is true but uh, but it really in in the, in the end it doesn't matter whether it's unintentional or intentional because the the effect is still going to be the same correct paul you and me are two retired la cops and and you remember in a court of law we've heard this a lot of times uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know it was illegal to carry a stolen gun in my car and and uh, and and dope in my pocket. I didn't know it was yeah. against the law. Oh, so since you didn't know, we'll let you off the hook, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't work that way. 
And it doesn't work that way in, in the spiritual life as well. Okay. Uh, Father Bouvier, he says, for indigenous Catholics to see the Holy Father welcome to some places like Sacred Heart Church by having smudged the space first or facing the four directions to offer his blessing, as simple as those gestures may seem, clearly demonstrates a sensitivity on his part to their traditions, which, though outside of any particular Catholic expression of faith, are certainly not contrary to it. That's not true. This is mm. contrary to Catholic, to Catholic teaching, to Catholic practice. Right. participation in any type of pagan. The word pagan means false god. It's just yes. simple. That's what the word pagan means. You look it up. The, yes, first com- the first commandment says we can't have anything to do with false gods. This is yes. a violation of the most serious commandments of the Ten. Yeah. Again, Jess, I see this as another form of modernism where, you know, this false ecumenism where they try to take every type of religion and somehow say, hey, you know, we're really all, you know, trying to achieve the same goal here. And uh, and I think what happens is when the Catholic Church, which represents, you know, and throughout history has basically took the stand that, look, there's no salvation outside of the church. As you know, the church has seemingly backed off of that that uh, that truth. Because I'm not even going to say claim, because we know it to be the truth. So the church has backed off of that, and we seem to be, uh, I think it it does a little bit more than just give uh, sensitivity to what they're doing. I think it gives tacit uh, approval, and, you know, in in a sense, and it lets them know that, hey, we've been doing this, you know, for our whole lives, and it's okay, because look, the Pope did it. That's correct. That's correct. Last night I went to a, a, a witch website to see what they had to say about smudging. And so on this witch's website, it says this, quote, The smudging ceremony is practiced. The smoke rises, and so do the prayers to Mother Earth, Father Sky, to the mm. sun and to the moon, to the plants, the animals, and the water. The burning of the sacred plants, sage, satyr, sweetgrass, and palo santo, to name a few, support the connection to the sacred realms between the earth and spirit. Through this con- connect to, the, to through this connect to spirit, and it, by the way, when witches talk about spirits, they're talking about demons. Okay, they're not talking mm-hmm. about Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. They're talking <laughs> about yeah, they're talking. So th- this witch's website says through this connect to spirit, the smoke bathe lifts negative feelings and energy and creates an, an opening for prayers and intentions to be heard, therefore bringing positive intention into practice. Close quote. Once again, this is this this is a pagan practice. It's sacrilegious. It's it's a mockery of our Catholic faith. It opens the the, the people that are practicing this uh, to give the demons a stronghold or a foothold. And and once again, this is not this is not a Catholic ecumenism, Paul. This mm-hmm. is what I call compromise. Yeah. Not only compromise, Jess, it's like the enemy is at the gates and we're essentially saying we don't see the threat. We don't see the threat. And and and, and if that's your position, it's not going to be long before we're overrun uh, with that mentality. Thanks be to God that the church belongs to Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God that he will, you know, at, at some point when man doesn't do the job, God steps in and gets it done. Amen. It says here, in a Catholic, the father, this he's a modernist priest. He writes, uh, Father Bouvier. He says, in a Catholic context, we could see this the ritual of smudging as being akin to the use of certain of our sacramentals, which are born for personal spiritual purposes, such as wearing the scapular or anointing with the oil of Saint Joseph's oratory clothes. <sighs> that's that, again, that's a false statement. Hey, Jess, with all due I- respect. How can you and I say it's akin to basically playing with a Ouija board and a, and a priest who's supposed to be his formation should be solid, Jess? Uh, he, he, he doesn't recognize and see the danger here. Uh, talk about uh, blind guides. The sacred scripture yes. talk, yes. talks about blind guides. And I think we find ourselves at this point in history that we're surrounded by a bunch of people with, who are blind guides. And that's why the lady have to speak up, Paul. We have to we have to lean on the scriptures, on the tradition mm-hmm. of the church, and mm-hmm. the lay people. We have to fire missiles of truth through these wall of lies. Yes. I, I, I don't know how this priest, Father Bouvier, can compare our sacramentals, 
give actual grace. Pagan mm. sacramentals are superstitious and invoke demons. It is quite the opposite. Yeah. Psalm, Psalm 95 tells us clearly the gods of the Gentiles are demons. Period. The gods of the Gentiles are demons. Yes. It's, yes. Uh, yeah. Bec why? Because there's only one God. And so, uh, you know, anything else is a false God or a, you know, or somebody who is trying to uh, sell themselves to be gods. Paul, we have a lot of, uh, let's just be honest, there's, the Bible talks about a lot of false prophets and a lot of false teachers in the latter times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are living in the latter times. Uh, what's the latter times? Between the, between the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. the second coming of Christ, that window is called the latter times in theology, between the mm -hmm. ascension and the second coming. So, so it's quite a, quite a big time. Yeah, so we're living in the latter times. We've been living in the latter times for 2,000 years. Now, the question is, are we living in the last part of the latter times? Well, you know, only time will tell. But the fact mm -hmm. is, we do know this from covenant theology, that we are in the final covenant. Mm -hmm. the final, the fi we have had the covenant with Adam, uh, Noah, Abraham, uh, Moses, David, the final covenant with Jesus. We are in the final covenant. We do know well, that from biblical theology. Yeah, well, I guess you would say in this age, you know, that, that is the final covenant is, is Jesus Christ. But uh, There is no other uh, covenant after Christ. Well, yeah, I like that. And, yeah. and I might be wrong on this, Jess, but I like to think of it as the eternal covenant in the sense that, you know, once we uh, once everything well, gets he, realized. The yes, seventh, he calls that the eternal covenant. It's, yes. it's in the book of Revelation. He calls the final covenant the eternal covenant. So, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, but we are in the final covenant with Christ. It's been ratified through the Eucharist. And it will be consummated at the second coming of Christ. Mm. And also, when you look at Bible history, there's 12 Bible periods in Bible history. We are in the 12th Bible period. We're in what's called the church age. So when somebody says, what do you mean latter times? Well, I'm just talking biblical here. Yeah. But Bible history has 12 Bible periods. We are in period number 12. It's called the church age. And we are in covenant number six, the final covenant with Christ. So mm -hmm. uh, I just say... Uh, you know, this is not. This is no time to be playing around with your Catholic faith. Going back to this, Father Bouvier says, personal purification or uh, of the space where the smudge is happening are the exclusive purposes of the ritual. He said, without explaining what people were being purified from or how burning herbs could spiritually purify a person. Again, here's where this priest just went off the rails. We already have the greatest weapons to purify a person and a location. That's called faith. That's called prayer. That's called holy images. That's called holy water. That's called blessed salt and other sacramentals. Amen. We Amen. don't need to be borrowing from these, uh, you know, these demonic, uh, you know, uh, parodies uh, to try to replace what the church has been using for 2000 years. Hey, Paul? And, and to quote our Lord, you know, uh, uh, how can Satan cast out Satan? That's right. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Father Bouvier says this, usually the person doing the smudging would use a feather or branch to direct the smoke towards the participants who use their hands to welcome it as a sign of their desire to cleanse their minds and hearts. However, he said, with the sacred heart, the elder will smudge the church itself, but will not direct the smoke, the smoke towards the Pope. In addition to being an indigenous tradition, the smudging ceremony is practiced in witchcraft and in Wicca as well. According to Father Bouvier, Pope Francis might also pray facing all four directions which is another indigenous practice that's not a catholic practice paul these are the bitter fruits that stem from vatican II's document on ecumenism this is not catholic ecumenism prior to 1965 this is a no. this is a compromise and this is surrendering to paganism what and, this, and i also practice, see yeah go ahead yeah no i also see just that uh this is a um you know, the spirit of the world, everything indigenous right now, uh, they, they want to, uh, you know, tear down the statues of Christopher Columbus and replace them or have or get rid of Columbus Day and let's make it indigenous day, you know. And, you know, it, it, it's this surrendering to say that, hey, well, all these uh, these peoples, you know, from the past, we, we have wronged them so much. Just yes, the church 
and the message of Christ has rescued them from paganism, has literally snatched them from the fires. And now the world is turning around and going back and saying, no, 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 we were wrong. We should not have, you know, subjected them to enforce Christianity upon them. This is nothing more than a spirit, uh, you know, grabbing onto this idea of the spirit of the world. And um, again, falsely making a judgment here that somehow what they were doing is good and wholesome. Paul, this has no basis in Catholic tradition or scripture. This is mm-hmm. this is the zeitgeist, the spirit, the demonic spirit of this age. Yes. And uh, and we have too many people in our church that are compromising and, t- and tolerating and playing footsies with evil. We'll be back. We're going to be talking about the prophecy of St. Francis about a future pope. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, this is a show where we launch missiles of truth into the wall of lies and the culture of death. There is an, a prophecy of St. Francis about a future pope. I know a lot of people, this, this has people split in the Catholic Church. Some people say, no, I don't think that's true. There's no... There, you know, there's not enough uh, historical evidence that this is true. You have other people that, again, when you hear the truth, it rings true. Now, mm-hmm. here's the argument from people that will say, well, we don't think this is a, a true prophecy from actual from St. Francis. They'll say, you know, we don't have, you know, it was written hundreds of years after by another Franciscan in 1882. It's called the works of the Seraphic Father of St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis lived in the 13th century, so eh, that's, there's no way it could be St. Francis. All I would say is this, for that people that argue that way. We as Catholics believe that what we read in our Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we believe it's the Word of God. Amen. We believe it's infallible and inerrant. Well, guess what? We don't have the original autographs of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They've been long gone. We don't mm-hmm. have them. But we do have copies. We have 4,000 manuscript Greek copies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tradition testifies to being authentic transcriptions of the original autographs. Mm -hmm. But we don't have the original autographs. So any Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox Christian that holds up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the Word of God that's based on oral tradition. That's based on manuscript evidence. It's not based on the original autographs. I make that argument, Paul, because mm-hmm. although we don't have the original, I mean, Paul, I mean, Saint Francis wrote very little. He was mm-hmm. a holy monk. He, he, you know, back then in the Middle Ages, people taught by sitting down, and you taught like a teacher. You sat mm-hmm. on a stump or a rock, and you taught your disciples. He wasn't thinking about writing these things down. Mm-hmm. But just like anything, when a wise sage like Moses, Elijah, St. Francis, our Lord Jesus Christ, when a wise teacher says something, you don't have to write it down, but it's burned in the memory for centuries and centuries. Okay, Jess, I have, I, a, I have a question for you. So this prophecy that we're talking about, <clears throat> uh, you know, when was it written? Well, the it was it, this actual work was written in 1882 which is okay long time ago yeah by, an, so, by another franciscan yeah so 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 this franciscan who wrote this prophecy in 1882 am i correct in saying that his claim uh and we don't have any reason to doubt his character or anything else he claims that this is a prophecy from saint francis yes that's exactly okay. his claim okay and and from my perspective jess um no matter who wrote this prophecy, the fact that it was written in 1882, which was a long time ago, uh, de- whoever wrote this prophecy uh, demonstrates that, uh, by, in my opinion, the things that are written in there, there is a, a, an uncanny um, accuracy there that, uh, yes. that, that nobody can deny. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so... Without further ado, let's dig into this prophecy and see what it says. Okay, and by the way, uh, there's websites that says you can actually verify for yourself that, that this has been transcri- 
transcribed accurately from the actual source in 1882. Mm-hmm. You, if you go on the internet, you can. Uh, there's a PDF file. You can download it at Google Books, and 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 it's pages 248 to 250. Uh, all I can say is clearly these prophetic words of Saint Francis have never been more relevant than today. And uh, and again, is it talking about the current Pope? We report, you decide. Here's what it says. So the tradition is, is that St. Francis of Assisi called his followers, which is typical of teachers, that's what they do, mm-hmm. called this together as followers and warned them of the coming troubles. And, and he makes seven points, and we'll go back and forth with Paul and myself. Point number one, allegedly St. Francis of Assisi said in this prophecy, the time is fast approaching, in which there will be great trials and afflictions, perplexities and dissensions, both spiritual and temporal, will abound. The charity of many will grow cold, and the malice of the wicked will increase. So everything said there, a lot of it just is right out of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not trying to feel sorry for us in the 21st century, 2021st century, but I believe since the 13th century, since since Fra- since St. Francis allegedly wrote this and said this and said this and wrote and wrote it probably somewhere in some piece of paper, I believe that we have more dissension right now in the church and in our culture than we've ever seen before. I believe that we're suffering greater trials right now than any other century. I believe that the faith of many has grown cold by the fact mm-hmm. that only 11 to 14 percent of Catholics go to mass on Sunday. And I believe that the malice of the wicked will increase. We see it. Uh, we have one one party ruled basically in this country, and it's a regime. And we're seeing all these foot soldiers, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, you know, Ruth sent us, uh, you know, shut down D.C. We're seeing yeah. an increase of evil. We're seeing Satanists, witches right. in front of abortion clinics, attacking right. Catholic churches, attacking pregnancy counseling centers, attacking politicians. Uh, yeah. doing doing liturgical curses every month yes. against their enemies. Yes. Paul, we've never seen yes. this before. No, no, not only that, Jess. Uh, well, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. But I, I'll add to that, Jess, that, uh, you know, the, the population of the world is, you know, it, it has increased exponentially from what it was at the time of Christ. And so the wickedness, obviously, since the heart of man is sick, Exceedingly wicked above all things. The wickedness is increased. But but like you said, we're seeing witches actually, I think right there in Phoenix, uh, uh, you were combating, uh, I think it was the Satanist that came down and, and wanted to uh, uh, consecrate, uh, yeah, consecrate to the Satan. city of Scottsdale to, to Satan. I mean, so we're seeing these things uh, on the increase. And after 2,000 years of Christian history of 2,000 years of the, the gospel being proclaimed throughout the whole world, uh, you know, shouldn't be seeing these things except for the fact that the Lord made the, the statement, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? See, he already told us that faith was going to be on the decline, that man in his hard heart would, it would essentially reject the goodness of God. Uh, and so my plea to everybody out there listening is if you haven't come in, please come in out of the rain, because uh, soon, not le- sooner rather than later, God's judgment will be upon this earth. This is like the time of Noah, Jess, when, uh, you know, it's time to get in the ark. Amen, Paul. And uh, yeah. our Lord, again, our Lord has, has warned us about false prophets. St. Paul says in Second Timothy 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Oh, they yeah. will turn oh. their ears away from the truth and, and turn aside to myths. Wow. Paul, this is exactly what we're seeing right now. Yep. Second prophecy of uh, alleged prophecy of, of St. Francis of Assisi, which, again, to me, it just rings true. When you hear something, you know in your heart and your soul if it rings true. He says the devils will have unusual power. The immaculate purity of our order and of others will be so much obscured that there will be very few Christians who will obey the true sovereign pontiff in the Roman church with loyal hearts and perfect charity. At the time of this tribulation, a man not canonically elected will be raised to the pontificate who by his cunning will endeavor to draw many into error and death. Wow. 
Paul, that says mm. a whole lot right there. But you could see one of the things that in the Franciscan order, the Franciscan order has been overrun by homosexuals. It's been overrun by sexual by sexual scandals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the pure order of St. Francis has been compromised. And again, it says something there, which a lot of people posit as an opinion. Very mm-hmm. smart people, very smart historians. Again, mm-hmm. the jury's out on my book. I'm just kind of sitting back and watching things play out. But that's a very powerful statement that uh, it says the, that, that there will be a man not canonically elected will be raised to the pontificate who by his cunning will endeavor to draw many into error and death. I, I just will say this, that one of the things interesting about Pope Francis is, is he refuses to take the title Vicar of Christ. Mm. Also something mm. very interesting about him is uh, is usually Pope's Paul in my lifetime they speak clearly. In other words, it's black and white. It's right and wrong. It's there's no gray. Uh, no. One of the things about our one of the things about our present Holy Father is that there, a lot of his statements are ambiguous. It can be taken two ways. That's mm-hmm. not a good way to be a papa to a family. The children need moral clarity. And again, Saint Francis warns us uh, that we would enter into a time when, from the highest echelons of the Catholic Church, we will be drawn into error and death. You know, like in in in, in, in the Epistles of John, little children. That's what the, that's what most of the people in the church are. Just they're children. And and you know, and if you're sitting in the position as as Papa, you know, you, you can't speak with ambiguity. You have to speak, you know, in simplicity and directly in order to train your children correctly uh, so that, you know, uh, uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mm. So there so there's the, the, the you know, the the issue with speaking uh, uh, without clarity. You know, we need especially in a time now where we can't even identify that a woman is a woman or a man is a man. We in the church can, but the world per se. And, uh, uh, you know, we need clarity. We need a voice. We need we need someone who speaks the truth in love. Thus saith the Lord. That's the way the yes. prophets speak. Yes. The Pope, has, the Pope has a prophetic office. Yes. By his office, I'm, he has a prophetic role. I'm going to go with number three, Jess. Yep, jump on it. Then scandals will be multiplied. Our order will be divided. And many others will be entirely destroyed because they will consent to error instead of opposing it. How wow. many priests today, Jess, do we see uh, who are not uh, who are complicit in you know in standing up against what is clearly evil, what is clearly uh, you know from the world? Yeah. How many, Jess? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, he says our order will be divided. The Franciscan order is probably the most divided order in the history of the priesthood because a lot of them are homosexuals and, they, and they're modernists and they've defected. And, and that mm. prophecy also says many orders will be destroyed. Uh, most of the orders right now that are modernist are, are basically dying in the vine. We'll be back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911 Soul Patrol, we're putting the spotlight of truth upon the culture of death. We're like a lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. we got to pray America great again. We're talking about the, a prophecy allegedly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, whether he wrote it, or another Franciscan back in the 18th century, I can tell you this, it is, it is written with laser-sharp, pinpoint accuracy as it describes the 20 and 21st century. Paul, what's prophecy number four? Okay, number four. There will be such diversity of opinions and schisms among the people, the religious and the clergy, that except those days were shortened according to the words of the gospel— even the elect would be led into error were they not specifically guided amid such great confusion by the immense mercy of God. You know, just this stuff like now this is taken right out of Scripture, you know, um, except those days be shortened. And we see we see just so much confusion out there in the world uh, again. Uh, 
uh, you know, I, I referenced uh, when 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 the Holy Father said, you know, they asked him about the uh, uh, the homosexuality, and 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 he said, "Who am I to judge?" Jess, if ever we were qualified as uh, you know as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ to form an opinion about something as to whether it's good or evil. It, you know, it, it's I again. I, I'm I'm without words. I can't even. You know, we need to pray for the the Holy Father. We need to pray that that, that the Lord uh, open his eyes up to you know to the evils of modernism. Yeah, you're right, Paul. I, I think he just I think he has a soft spot for modernism. I mean, yeah. you know, that's put that's putting it nicely. Mm-hmm. Point number five: a prophecy allegedly attributed to Saint Francis of Assisi, uh, transcribed by one of a Franciscan back in the 18th century. He says, then our rule and manner of life will be violently opposed by some, and terrible trials will come upon us. Those who are found faithful will receive the crown of life. But woe to those who, trusting solely in their order, shall fall into tepidity, for they will not be able to support the temptations permitted for the proving of the elect. Mm. And just a, a lot of this is Matthew 24 language. It's just warning us. It's warning us that just like Christ suffered, uh, the elect will suffer as well. It just is just kind of a reminder. And we see that right now. There's, there's, uh, for example, I'll give you another example. Another good priest over the weekend got canceled. Father Richard Heilman from Grace Force. He has his podcast with Doug Berry. His bishop just canceled him this weekend. Why? Because he said in a homily that he believes that the election was stolen, the uh, the Biden-Trump election, he believes that it was stolen. He mentioned that in a homily. Guess what? Today, he has no parish. He's been thrown out of his parish. He's been he's been canceled by his priest for wow. making a political by his opinion bishop. Yeah. in a homily. Wow. So, uh, so again, this is a type of persecution. You, there's so many good priests out there that mm-hmm. have moved back then with their mom and dad, their brother and sister, lost their parish, Yep. Because they're trying to to make prophetic utterances from the pulpit, but the but the the shepherds, which are the bishops, which just many of them at this point, they're as Jesus Christ says in Matthew seven fifteen, they're false shepherds, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, they're devouring a lot of our good priests, Paul. Yeah, you know. Uh... Uh, you know, I don't mean to backtrack, Jess, but I was just, uh, you know, when we were on point number two, I wanted to, yeah. you know, emphasize, uh, you know, when he says the immaculate purity of our order and and of others will be so much obscured that there will be very few Christians who will obey the true sovereign pontiff and the Roman church with loyal hearts and perfect charity. You know, Jess, uh, that's exactly what these uh, modern day scandals within the priesthood with the homosexuality running rampant through the priesthood. The purity of the priesthood uh, has caused, has scandalized so many of the faithful that I don't know how many people I've run into, Jess, who have said, you know, hey, you know, I was Catholic. Man, I'm not, you know, I can't get into that. Those guys are, you know, they have literally scandalized the faithful. This infiltration into our church, and I don't mean to undermine. Listen, there are many good holy priests out there, but uh, the uh, you know, uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall, he he wrote a book, you know, uh, about the infiltration. I mean, it's pretty obvious. We have had popes that have spoken on the issue. Uh, you know, uh, the the Catholic Church has been under attack for a long time, and that attack is primarily uh, demonic. Masons, yes, primarily from the Freemasons. Yes, That's yes. Society, which is demonic. Yes. It's a diabolical yes. organization. Yes. Uh, so I just, you know, I, I just wanted to backtrack and touch on that. And just, you know, again, we're talking about how accurate is this prophecy that was that that at least we know for fact it was written at least in the in the late 1800s. Um, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jess. Continue yeah. on. <laughs> point, number, point number five. Uh, St. Francis allegedly wrote, then our rule and manner of life will be violently opposed by some. And terrible trials will come upon us. Those who are found faithful will receive the crown of life. But woe to those who, trusting solely in their order, shall fall into tepidity. For they will not be able to support the temptations 
permitted for the proving of the elect. Once again, one prophecy after another, just warning us that we were going to enter into very evil times, into very dark days where our faith is going to be tested. And the way our faith is going to be tested is because the enemy's now within the gates, or as they say in the military, uh, the enemy's underneath the wire, or you know, inside the wire. That's, that's the term that they use. The enemy's inside the wire. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we have right now. Mm-hmm. We have secret societies like the Freemasons and others yep. that, are, uh, that are in the wire of the Catholic Church. They've, they've basically breached, uh, they've breached our walls, Paul. Yeah, it's hand to hand combat now. Yes, yes, hand-to-hand that's exactly combat. the point. Yeah, right. Yeah, hey, hey, Jess. Also, notice this: trusting solely in their order. That implies to me that you know there's a bunch of people who are the heads, so to speak, of these orders that are not leading the orders properly. Uh, if you trust, if if trusting in your order uh, basically. Uh, you know, makes you not be able to support, uh, you know, to be able to stand against the temptations. That tells me that the order's headed in the wrong direction. And at some point, you know, uh, we can't just go along to get along. We have to stand for the truth. And for all those canceled priests out there, you know, I, you know, thank you for for standing firm in the truth. Thank you for subjecting yourselves to these trials and persecutions, because uh, not only will you receive the crown, but you are being you're you're an encouragement to the faithful. Uh, you give us the strength that we need to say what we need to say. Amen. And and, and Paul, a, a lot of these uh, a lot of these orders. Off, you know, for example, like the Jesuits, the mm-hmm. what a great order back in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that fought against the reformers intellectually. The head Jesuit right now, uh, I think it was about five years ago, he made a statement. He said that, yeah, there is no devil. The devil's just a myth. Now that's the head <laughs> Jesuit of the world. Th- this is this is what I'm talking about: a wolf in sheep's clothing. But let's go to point number six. Those who preserve in their fervor and adhere to virtue and love and zeal for the truth will suffer injuries and persecutions as rebels and schismatics. <laughs> That's us, Paul. Further, persecutors mm-hmm. urged on by the evil spirits will say they are rendering a great service to God by destroying such pestilent men from the face of the earth. But the Lord will be the refuge of the afflicted and will save all who trust in him. And in order to be like their head Christ, these, the elect, will act with confidence and by their death will purchase for themselves eternal life, choosing to obey God rather than men. They will fear nothing and they will prefer to perish rather than consent to falsehood and perfidy. That's where we're at right now, Paul. That last sentence, this is, yes. what the, this is where we're at right now. Choosing to obey God rather than man when, when man is giving messages that are, that are contrary to the word of God. Uh, but it says about the elect, they will fear nothing. They will prefer to perish rather than consent to falsehood and perfidy. I hope God gives us the grace, Paul. Everybody listening to VMPR, all the people on this uh, station, gives us the grace to, to prefer to perish rather the consent to falsehood or perfidy. Jess, I'm reminded just by that uh, of Joshua in, in sacred scripture when he says, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, uh, that's what we choose today. Jess, uh, uh, this is the situation. You ha- here you have Israel, Am Yahweh, the people of God, and they're, they're asked to make a choice. You're either going to follow the false gods, you're either going to go in the wrong direction, or you are going to serve the living God. And we choose to serve the living God. We stand on his word, and we believe everything true and right about God. Amen. And Jesus Christ railed against the authority in his day and age called the Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 23. Oh, they, yeah. were the pa- they were the pastors back in mm-hmm. the first century. They yep. were the pastors. And Jesus Christ called them every single name in the book. Whitewashed tomb, brood of vipers, false prophets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lying sepulchers. These were the these were the God's authoritative magisterium back in the first century yeah that that just that basically just went off the rails and for those that want to say well jesus had every right to judge him he was uh, you know he was uh god 
Well, guess what? Let me tell you something. The Bible says we have been given the mind of Christ. Okay, we have been we have been made partakers of the divine nature, and God uh, expects us as we cling to the truth, as we cling to the truth, as as the church has taught through the centuries. Uh, he has given us the authority. He has authorized us to speak the truth. That's right, and uh, you know, again, it. Uh, I don't worry because I'll tell you what. People think that the Lord Jesus Christ is sleeping. No, he's not asleep. Mm. He's on the boat. He's watching everything. And trust me, Jesus, at, at his given point in time, when he sees fit, Jesus Christ will intervene in salvation history. There will be a divine intervention. Because at this point, Paul, I think b there's no human solution to what we're seeing in the world and what we're seeing in the church. I think Our Lady and Our Lord are going to have to t intervene. Yeah. It's going to have yeah. to be heaven-sent intervention. Last point, Jess. Hit it. Some preachers will keep silence about the truth, and others will trample it under the foot and deny it. Sanctity of life will be held in derision, you think, even by those who outwardly profess it. For in those days, Jesus Christ will send them not a true pastor, but a destroyer. That's point number seven. Mm. Again, you can read these prophecies for yourself. They're very short, allegedly written by St. Francis of Assisi. We report, you decide, I'm the jury, Paul's a jury. We've already made our own decision what we believe about this prophecy. We wouldn't be sharing it if we didn't believe that the, this thing has the force, the weight of truth behind it. Uh, once again, whether it was St. Francis of Assisi or not, God can use any Franciscan throughout history, uh, through a locution, through a private revelation, to speak to speak the truth. And the fact is, everything's being said right there fits like a hand in glove for those of us living in the 20 and 21st century. Amen. Oh. Yeah. Amen, Jess. Uh, again, uh, I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, I think that we need to prayerfully uh, discern the times that we're in and cling to Christ. Amen. And know this, by the way, all of us are called to be prophets. I mean, we're not going to be a prophet like Moses or Elijah. But the word prophet, it also means somebody who speaks the word of God. And so every one of us is called to speak the word of God to those around us in our sphere of influence to our family. So be a prophet to your family. Bring people Jesus Christ. Tell them about the Lord. Be a prophet. Give them the word of God. Okay, we're out. God bless you. We're done. Bye.